Coming up on this week's show, Becky Albertelli returns, we'll have more movie talk, and we'll also find out about the upcoming Simon sequel, Leia on the Offbeat. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 128 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillCanals.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Here we are. Another episode. Another, <laughs> the last of our trio that we pre-recorded uh, as we get ready to move. Or have moved by now. Such a time paradox at this point. I know. We we literally finished recording last week's episode seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> seconds ago. And now here we are. <sighs> More good gay fiction to talk about. Yes. And it is a little weird. Because I don't think we've ever done three episodes in a row before. Sometimes we double up if we're on vacation. But this might be the first trio. Mm-hmm. Anyway, welcome back. Here we are. And yes, more gay fiction ahead. And also, happy spring, or happy fall, depending on where in the world you live. Hopefully, yes. Wherever you're living, hopefully spring has sprung by now. (laughs) Or fall, if you're coming off of a a warm summer, as our friends in Australia might be. Um, Either way, it's these particular seasons that are at least always my favorite, whether it's spring or fall, because you get that little change of the weather, and things either stop being so freaking cold or stop being so god-awful hot. And uh, we transition into that nice little in-between phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully wherever it is for you, you're celebrating the the season change appropriately on Tuesday. Um, we will this week we'll be spending time getting fully set up in our new home, getting the podcast studio put back together so we can actually be in our new digs for episode 129 next week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, do you want to tell the good folks about our Patreon stuff? So hopefully we'll, we might have some new patrons to talk about come next week. We would love to have some brand new patrons to talk about. Um, you can, as always, join us on Patreon. Uh, if you... Uh... <laughs> I've done this I've done this read three... This is going to be the third time in a row and I still can't get it right. Here we go. I'm going to try that one more time. You can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the costs of producing and distributing this podcast. Now, for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll, of course, have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. And all patrons also have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly from us to you. Now, any month our pledges cover the monthly production costs, we'll produce a bonus show, especially for our patrons. Now, you can get all of the details at our Patreon page. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Your favorite new YA hero has arrived with Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, the first book in the Codename Winger series. 
At 16, Theo Reese is the youngest agent for tactical operational support. His way with computers makes him invaluable. He designs new gadgets, helps agents, including his parents, in the field, and works to keep the TOS network safe. But when a hacker breaches the system TOS uses to track agents, Theo is put to the test like never before. Thrust from behind the safety of his desk, Theo must go into the field to put a stop to the hack. He's scared, but resolved because one of the missing agents is his father. And just to make it more interesting, he has to keep everything a secret from his boyfriend and teammates. Can Theo get the job done, save his dad, and make things good with his boyfriend? Find out in Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, available in ebook and paperback from Harmony Inc. Press, Amazon.com, and other online retailers. So we do have a little bit of a book review to give you. You actually teased us two episodes ago with this book as being one of the other billionaire stern boy in a blue suit on a cover <laughs> things. And now you're actually going to talk about this book from MJ O'Shea. I am. I'm going to talk about Game Point by MJ. Now, um, I don't think it's any secret. I love MJ O'Shea to pieces. We've had her on the show. I've read several of her books. I will never hesitate to... Uh, recommend her books. So it should be no surprise that I loved Game Point to Pieces. Now, this particular billionaire book is about a guy named Quinn, and he is essentially a professional socialite. He goes around uh, being fabulous and glamorous and going to parties and that kind of thing. Uh, That's he, a nice job to get if you can have it. He's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a young, pretty boy who uh, makes his... Uh, well, I hate to call it a living, but, you know, he's sort of like an Instagram influencer, that type of guy. Anyway, um, at the beginning of the book, uh, his grandfather has passed away, and he learns that he is, he has inherited the family sporting good empire. So, uh, he has to take some time off from the lifestyles of the rich and famous, and he has to return home to Seattle. Uh, and it's there that he encounters uh, a guy named Porter. Porter is essentially the operations officer at um, Quinn's uh, company, and he's uh, essentially been running this show for several years now. Um, and now he doesn't, you know, necessarily feel that he should be the one in charge, but he does question, you know, Quinn's qualifications. Um, you know, he's a pretty party boy. What does he know about running uh, a multi-million dollar international sporting conglomerate? The answer is he doesn't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> but Quinn uh, has actually kind of gotten a little bit tired of his frivolous lifestyle. And he's like, you know, well, maybe this is a chance for me to put down roots and, you know, take responsibility for something in his life. Um, this is essentially a uh, a really good enemies to lovers story. Uh, Quinn and Porter obviously butt heads at the beginning, but as they you know spend more time together, they realize that each of them has something unique to offer the business. Uh, Porter is of course the the straight laced businessman. He's incredibly smart and he knows you know this company inside and out. While Quinn is really uh, more of a, a social butterfly and he really excels at like talking to people and you know making you know closing the deal 
mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And they realize that they actually, their, their talents really mesh well together and that, you know, they can really do something amazing with this company as they move forward. So as they, you know, move from enemies to friends, they eventually become friends with benefits because, you know, they're both really, really hot, and they're both spending lots of time together. So they figure, you know, uh, let's you know, blow off some of this sexual tension, and let's hook up. <laughs> so they start hooking up, uh, and then they start hooking up on a regular basis. Um, and it's really, for the two of them, uh, it, they both really think of it as just a, sort of a, a friends with benefits situation. Mm -hmm. But uh, as they continue on, they realize that there are actual genuine feelings in this relationship. And they don't necessarily know how to move forward without it affecting their business relationship. And what does that mean? You know, if we're a couple, what does that really mean for the company? And how their... Uh, how does their emotional involvement uh, involve business issues and, and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Now, like the other billionaire businessman book that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this book doesn't have an overly complicated plot, uh, which I found sort of refreshing. A lot of times uh, with these billionaire-themed books or, or uh, uh, CEO businessmen, there's, you know... A lot of stuff about, you know, the company, you know, business takeovers, blah, 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 blah. You know, you have to make a certain deal, you know, to save the company, that kind of thing. That's not really going on in this book. The, the core of the book is really about um, the relationship and how these two characters really come to an emotional understanding. So it's really, um, as MJ always does, it's really focuses in on the characters and we really... Uh, understand um, how they end up from enemies to lovers. It makes perfect sense. Mm, um, cool. So I really liked, um, I think one of the things that I thought was really nice about this particular book is it's set in Seattle. Uh, I felt like Seattle was almost like a, a third character in the book. It really got a great feeling for the city. Mm -hmm. uh, I also really enjoyed um, Quinn's mother, uh, Marisol, she's, she's always there for Quinn, and there are several scenes where she, um, she's not pushy, but she tries to, <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to steer Quinn in a responsible direction so that he can make intelligent emotional choices. Um, uh, she, she really, uh, is rooting for her son, uh, and it wants him to, uh, grow up essentially and take responsibility for the first time in his life. Um, let me see. Let me look at my notes one last time before I close <laughs> things out. No, 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 no. Nope. I really enjoyed this book an awful, awful lot. Um, I don't, um, like I said, this isn't really a traditional uh, billionaire CEO book. I think it's really more of an internal emotional journey. Uh, so, um, I loved it to pieces. As always, I highly recommend all of MJ O'Shea's book, and I highly recommend Game Point. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. 
Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So, of course, this past weekend, Love, Simon opened in theaters across the U.S. Uh, If everything's gone well for us, uh, we will have seen that over that opening weekend. And uh, check the show notes page of this week's episode where there should be a review of this uh, in a little extra bonus video that we will post. Uh, if that didn't happen, well, we'll figure out what went wrong uh, in next week's episode <laughs> and tell you about that. Uh, I'm very happy to have Becky back on the show this week. We had such a good time uh, talking for over an hour, really. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of, of off-camera stuff that was a lot of fun, too, because she and I had to talk about spoilers that you know we didn't want to share with everybody else because um, I'd read the book already and had to know certain things. Um, this time out, we talk about a little bit more about the film, including how her cameo came about, uh, that's in the film. And we also then dig into some books, uh, the upside of unrequited, uh, which was 2017's book. And I reviewed uh, a few episodes back as well as, uh, Leah on the offbeat, which is a sequel to Simon, which actually comes out on April 24th. We, you talked about this just a little bit ago and about, you know, how Fox is pushing this as a mainstream film. And to me, it really is significant that a gay teen love story is, you know, going wide with Fox. And uh, there have been other, you know, gay teen YA stories that have been out there. I'm thinking Geography Club and uh, something like Summer and films of that nature that are great films, but they're made on a very, you know, they're indie films and films that occasionally struggle for distribution. What was it about Simon, do you think, or, or perhaps you know since you've been through the process, that was, that made Fox go, yeah, this one. This gets to go this way. God, I, I mean, I, I don't entirely know. And I, th- I think, you know, one thing I always want to kind of emphasize is that there's, there's a lot of luck involved. There's a lot with, like, timing. And, um, and of course, like it didn't happen in a vacuum, like Simon is getting this like, kind of mainstream rom-com like John Hughes treatment. Um, and that's, um, I think kind of new, but, um, you know, I, I think part of why, um, you know, audiences and also the studio and, and kind of the industry are, are receptive, um, to this at this moment is, is because of, you know, the success of, um, you know, Moonlight, for example, or, you know, more recently, and it is, um, you know, also, you know, and, and some of the, a lot of these films were, it, Simon was already filming in, in the works as these movies were being developed and coming out, but Call Me By Your Name, um, you know, so basically, you know, like, I, I think a lot of other earlier films and earlier stories um, do, have to get a lot of credit for kind of, um, you know, just, just the roles that they've, they've played in this process of, of kind of mainstreaming this type of story. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the fact that like, kind of, you could say like Simon out of all the stories was the one like picked for this and like whether, whether it should have been Simon, but, um, you know, my, my, my thought is that, you know, when when I think about Simon and when I think about the story um, that I was telling in the book and that gets told in the film, um, 
you know, there's there's this relationship and it's a relationship between two boys. And that is something that is, um, you know, a little bit new for kind of a mainstream film. Um, but, you know, that's not kind of all that Simon is a, is about, too. So um, I don't know. You know, when I think about kind of what people have been responding to, um, I, I do want to think that some of it has to do with just some of these specific like elements of this book, not just the fact that it's a gay love story, because there's so many great ones out there. There really are more and more every, every day. It feels like, and it's, it's an exciting time, um, especially in publishing for that. But, um, you know, it's, um, you know, Simon, Simon is a very particular story with a particular point of view. And it's, it's, you know, it's a story about my high school and it's a story about, my drama club and, and, you know, the, the voice is very, uh, very much kind of my voice. And so I, it's hard to say kind of how that all came together, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know kind of what it was that, you know, Temple Hill, my production company and Greg Berlanti and kind of all the people involved, um, saw saw in this book um but i'm 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 glad they did uh, because kind of what they've been able to do with it has um in my opinion elevated the story and just kind of brought this layer of nuance that i i could not bring to it myself i love that you acquainted equated it with um john hughes because just thinking about simon's (laughs) story in general you could definitely see it in the lexicon with the breakfast club and pretty in pink and, and those films. That's like, I mean, and you know, they've been using that since kind of day one when they were like pitching it to the studios and stuff. And that's, to me, it's like a huge compliment. Cause I like always loved those movies and, um, you know, and, and I just, you know, I grew up on these rom-coms, like, you know, the, the John Hughes ones. And then also some of the ones that were a little bit later, like I think, um, 10 things I hate about you and never been kissed and were, were two that were like very <laughs> formative for me. Um, so I love, I love that this movie is going to kind of be in that vein and kind of, you know, kind of add to that whole, like, you know, genre of, uh, stories that, um, that I grew up on, you know, in the, like in the eighties and nineties and, um, and beyond. Mm-hmm. So did you, since it filmed in Atlanta and you were actually on set occasionally, did you get to have the author cameo where you get to maybe walk down the hall or do something? Um, I do. I do have a cameo. I, um, this is, it's like so embarrassing to like, so a lot of times authors have like a really classy cameo in, in their movie. Like I keep thinking of in everything, everything like Nicola Yoon and, and her family have like this beautiful cameo on the beach and they're like a family walking down the beach together. Um, so my cameo, my cameo, I like, they had something all planned for me um, in the carnival scene. I think I was supposed to be like the ticket vendor or something like that. But it rained the day they were supposed to film it, and so they had to move around which day they were filming what. And it's, it ended up that I was on book tour during the carnival scene, and um, and so the only place that I could have my cameo at that point was uh, the Halloween party. And um, there are no 
adults in that scene, <laughs> and I'm an adult. I, uh, you know, I'm 35 at the time <laughs> it was being filmed. I was 34, and um, you know, I'm I'm probably a young looking 34, but like not that young looking. And so I was there with my friend Adam Silvera, who uh, most recently wrote "They Both Die at the End," and and um, he he and I were. Um, put into costumes to be at this Halloween party is like our cameo. And, you know, they had me in like hair and makeup and they were going to, they're like, okay, okay. We're going to make you look like a teenager for the background. Um, and then my producer comes up to me and like, he kind of like takes one look at me and he's like, yeah, we're going to get masks for these two. So, so Adam and I are in the Halloween party. We're wearing masks because, so we don't look too old. Um, I think I still think like even in a mask, I think you can tell that I'm like a mom. I just think I have that vibe in the background. But I um, and then, you know, because it's a party, they handed around these like, you know, beer bottles and they filled them with water. Um, so you could be drinking water from a beer bottle in the scene. And I'm like nervous <laughs> as it's being filmed. So I'm just like drinking the water like it's a water bottle. Um, but it's a beer bottle. So I am the. Um, my my classy cameo in this movie is me in a mask, drinking a beer bottle, like chugging. <laughs> uh, so look for me. <laughs> I will definitely keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah, when, 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 what you should do to find me is um, there's going to be a scene where Garrett is singing karaoke, and um, and if you look for, I, I think this is easy to remember. Look for Waldo. Because, you know, you can think, like, you know, where's Waldo? You look for Waldo. So look for Waldo, and Adam and I are standing right next to Waldo. Okay. So. Now everybody knows the secret of the Easter egg of where Becky is in the movie. Yeah. We're, I mean, it's we, we, were not, we, we were not classy adults in, in that scene. So. But that's awesome, though. You're just back there chugging on what's supposed to be beer. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, just... Probably I'm chugging the whole time. I can't remember exactly because I it was I was like kind of cringing to see myself, but um, when I saw the movie. But yeah, I think I'm just like chugging. Now shifting over to books because you've got their books happening for you as well. Um, yeah. This past spring, you released the Upside of Unrequited, which I did. Is, which was such this this very interesting package of like dealing with teenage loneliness and first boyfriends and how siblings grow and evolve. Uh, how do you describe this book? Because I, I have had a hard time putting this one into words because there was so much good stuff going on in it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, um, a lot of times when I, when I try to explain it, and I have trouble describing it to you in some ways because it's like, it hits so close to home for me. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I'll be like, you know, okay, so Molly's this girl who gets no action. And this is a book about her wanting to get some action and then ultimately getting some action. But um, yeah, no, I think it's, you know, which of course makes it sound a little bit more um, superficial than I think it really is. Um, because, you know, what I think what it's really about is it's about this girl who, for various reasons, feels she does not have access to romantic relationships. It's just something she wants. And, um, and so kind of, it, it's about her figuring out, um, you know, how is it that other people make this happen? Um, is this something that she can make happen and how does she do that on her own terms? 
It's a much more succinct way than I think I've ever put it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. (laughs) How did, what was your, what was your, well, what was the inspiration behind it? Because that's always one of my favorite questions to hear. And kind of, how did you wrap it all together? Because there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in this book for her and those around her, her sister, her parents. Yeah, I, I mean, this book was like, you know, a little bit about kind of the process of writing it. It was a nightmare to write. I, you know, Simon was like my charmed book where I, it was fairly straightforward, my kind of editorial process with that one. Upside took me two years. I rewrote that thing seven times. Like I completely changed the plot. Like when I say rewrote it, I mean like it had a switched at birth plot at one point. It had a dating app plot at one point. Like it was like, like totally new stories. And, um, and so I kind of had to write my way to it. And, you know, some of it was, I think like, you know, Simon's a very personal book for me. Upside's very personal, but in a different way. And I think kind of the big difference there is upside is personal and it kind of gets at some issues that I had not, maybe have not entirely like worked through myself yet. So it it was a little bit of a bruise, like working on that book. And, um, you know, and I think ultimately, um, you know, what got me there was a, you know, my, (laughs) my, my editor, Donna Bray from HarperCollins and Balsam Bray, um, just like, for all my books that god that that one is just it was almost like like i i could not have gotten out of the muck without without her on that book but um you know i I think maybe like stripping away some of the um high concept things that i was trying to do with it and and cutting straight to the heart of just the relationships between these characters and, and this like emotional truth that ties very, very closely back to kind of my core experiences as a teen. We got no action like Molly, but Molly got more action than I did as a teen really. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know how, how it came together. It wasn't easy to, to make a book out of that mess. Well, it's interesting how you talk about some of the stuff that got cast aside because what's in there to me was so powerful for the teenage experience because, you know, Molly doesn't get action, but her sister does. And she's like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got the whole, uh, because it takes place during the time that marriage equality became the national law that her lesbian parents are looking at you know, officially tying the knot, which is a big deal that she's also involved in. And then these boys that are around her, the ones that might want her, she doesn't really want them. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's just, yeah. Like for Molly, I think a lot of it is, um, is, is just, you know, she, that's kind of her pattern the way it's what's a little more comfortable for her is kind of having a crush and having it be a little bit like um like feeling a little bit out of her reach and um you know this thing that she wants so badly she's also very afraid of and and so she's she's kind of working through the fear of getting what she wants Mm mm-hmm 
that's a great way to put it. And now, now that I think, now that you've said that, and I rethink about the book a little bit, but yeah, um, and, and you've really tapped kind of the uh, another universal teen story in the same way that Simon was, I think. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. It's yeah, that book. It's funny. Like I, um, I think I'm still a little bit like raw from just the process with that book. That it's like you. I don't know. Like, I think I released it and I just had even more so than Simon. I had no idea how it was going to be received. And, and I'm, I'm protective of it, but also like, I'm just like, you know, sometimes I can't even look at it. <laughs> like, I mean, it, that was, that, those are a rough couple of years. So part of me is just like, thank God it's out there because I'm not rewriting it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're as hard as it can be to push the button to send it off. There's that big relief that is like, oh, thank God that's done. Yeah. <laughs> that story's out of me now. Yeah. You can move on. <laughs> now, coming up after Love, Simon comes out, in about a month after that movie, actually, we get the 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 novel sequel with uh, yeah. Leia on... I have a hard time saying this title, Leia on the Offbeat. I don't know why that yeah. doesn't flow for me too well. Oh, yeah. I, I say Leah on the Offbeat. And she she actually, because, you know, it's sort of, that's a name that can be pronounced many ways. Leah in the book, Leah on the Offbeat, clarifies that. Um, I think it flows a little easier to say Leah on the Offbeat. But, um, yeah, Leah on the Offbeat is, um, it really is, a, you know, it, it's a companion book, but I, I do think of it as a sequel because um, it's senior year, same group of friends, and because both books, like Simon Versus and, and Leah, are such, like, friend group stories, I think it really reads like a sequel because it's just, it's the same group of friends, and it's just junior year and then senior year, um, and and it's just filtered through a different character, and it's um, I, I don't know. It's really interesting. I I have to be careful what I I say because um I I've been asked to be very um, discreet about this book and and that's um, due to kind of you know between like Fox Studios and HarperCollins and stuff and them kind of wanting um, the movie to exist before you know, Leah, the continuation comes and kind of dismantles all kinds of things that are in the movie. Um, so there are, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not allowed to say about it, but what I will say is, um, it was a blast to write this book and to kind of be back with all these characters from Simon. And, and, um, sometimes people on Twitter or something will ask me like, are we going to get to see more of Simon in, in Leah Mafia? And I'm like, Simon is her best friend. Like he is all over this book. Like he's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could do a search probably in the document be like, how many times did I type the word Simon? It would be like a million. Like, <laughs> you, you will get your Simon content. You'll get your Simon and blue content. Um, I, I highly recommend people read Simon before Leah um, in a way that kind of, there's a little more flexibility, I think with the upside of unrequited, which stands a little more apart, even though it's in the same universe. Um, like I think, I think, you probably get the most out of it if you read the three in order, but you really should read Simon before Leah, not only because it Leah, Leah absolutely spoils the big question in Simon. It does like that. It's sort of, that's unavoidable. And, um, and also I just, I think you get a lot more out of Leah 
if if you know um, the story of Simon and and kind of some of the things that um, are happening in this friend group that you see through Simon's point of view, and then Leah can, it's like Leah comes along and 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 you kind of learn a little bit more about some of the things that um, that you thought you knew played out one way. Um, and I guess Leah's perspective on certain things is a little different than Simon's. So interesting. I had not, <laughs> I had not seen the connections between Simon and unrequited. And now I kind of want to go back and reread. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, it's definitely a companion book. The, the biggest connection is Abby in the upside of unrequited is the same Abby. So oh, it's you know, Molly Peskin Sousa, like that's Abby Sousa. And, and um, yeah, so they're they're cousins, and um, and Abby was kind of part of that whole clique in Upside of Unrequited, and then she moved to Georgia and became part of Simon's clique. So, um, okay, Vera calls this the Abby verse, like instead of the Simon verse, because like, it's like Abby is the connection there. So, okay, see, I was already planning to go back and and visit Simon again before the movie, um, <laughs> and now I may have to just do Unrequited as well after that, and and that'll get me ready for. Uh, for Leah too. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, anybody who does do that and like read them all in order is going to find all kinds of Easter eggs. Like there's upside Easter eggs in Leah and things like that. So. Okay. Well, now I have some of my, uh, <laughs> my reading planned out for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Any other plans for 2018, uh, past Leah that you can share at this point? Yeah, I think uh, kind of the major thing past Leah that I have going on in 2018 is um, What If It's Us, which is my co-write project with Adam Silvera. And um, that is, um, well, it's the first book that I've ever co-written. It has been the most fun I've ever had writing a book. But that one that one comes out in October of 2018. And, um, and it's about two boys who kind of meet and fall in love in New York City. And... Um, it's um yeah it, it's been just the whole process of that book has been really really interesting it's just been the coolest like creative experience ever and i know you you mentioned um you know just co-writing and 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 i know that's something that you've done as well and and there's there's nothing really like it you know to be able to um, join forces with a different author and a different mind and like tell a story coming at it from two different angles. Yeah. It's, it's unique. And I think everybody approaches it in their own unique way. I know some people who co-write with different people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a whole different thing, how they'll work with person A versus person B. Right. And I think, uh, and some of it, I think you almost need to like, you, you discover as you're doing it, I think, or at least mm -hmm. that was for me and for Adam. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's exciting. Two, two Becky books in the same year. <laughs> yeah, it's busy. I'm a little nervous. Um, yeah, just with two books in a movie and I'm already like, so, and you know, and I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old too. And then, so it's like, um, we're going to see how it goes next year. We're going to see if I um, have time to sleep at all, ever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you'll, you'll take cat naps on planes or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the best way people can keep up with you, uh, as well as uh, news about the movie as it rolls out? I love this question so, so much, um, because I, I'm, like, dying to, like, lay this out there. 
um, because it's all the communication. I, I feel like I, I'm getting a lot of messages and a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, it, it, it can be a little scattered and that's just how things are. I think with so many different social media platforms and, and just authors being accessible in different ways and every author having different preferences for that. Um, so here's what I think. So the best way to keep it, up with movie updates and to kind of know what's happening um a follow me on twitter if i'm allowed to announce it like you can pretty much bet i'm gonna announce it on twitter first usually um also follow the love simon movie official social media platforms um it's just love simon at love simon movie on um on twitter and instagram and i think they have a facebook page as well um Yes, yeah, so, and then there's also my Twitter, my Instagram, and um, I have an author Facebook page, which my amazing assistant keeps updated for me. And uh, and those, I believe, are all just at Becky Albertalli. Um, and then, um, let's see, other ways to get information. There's also, there are reader-run um, movie accounts on Twitter and Instagram, um, I can't remember the Instagram handle off the top of my head, but on, on Twitter, it's at Love Simon Film. Um, and those are a couple of readers who run that, but they're incredible. And they they are like super up to date. And they're super, one thing that they're really good about is they um, they take this like movie content from the Love Simon movie official account and they bring it back to the book and they connect it to the book and they find the page in the book that references the movie promo and, and it's just it's really moving almost like the way they they're able to do that um so that's what i recommend and then as far as like reaching me um the best ways to do that are i i, I tend to um, be most responsive on twitter that's just sort of what's easiest for me um emails the best if you have a question the best thing to do is to email my assistant at albertally.requests at gmail.com Perfect. All right. Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming to talk to us about the movie and the books. Uh, oh, thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Continued best of success in 2018 with the movie release and, and Leah and everything else. Oh, thank you. As always, it's such a pleasure to have Becky on the show. We're so glad that she could take a few minutes out of her <laughs> incredibly busy and glamorous lifestyle. Yes, it was great to talk to her. Uh, much appreciated, and, and I'm, I'm super psyched to read uh, Leah and the, and that sequel coming out in April. Yes, guys. So I hope you'll join us next week for episode 129. Jay from Joyfully Jay will be here, and she's going to be talking about some some recommendations, some springtime book recommendations, in fact. Yes, a little something to, to thaw us all out after the winter that we've had. Indeed. So, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next week, guys, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.